Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Friday. It is February 2nd. I'm back. <laughs> I said to you guys, I was like, well, if there's some breaking news, uh, I'll pop on the show. Uh, I thought it might be related to something Packers with Brian Gunacus meeting with the media. Instead, it's Corbin Burns getting traded. We'll break it all down uh, from Burns himself, the players, what's next, everything else in between. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll also talk about Brian Gunacus's comments uh, from the presser because why not? Uh, we're here. Might as well talk about it. I thought there was a lot of interesting nuggets uh, from that one. Uh, so make sure uh, you stay tuned for both. Um, and the least you could do, as since I've pumped out two extra podcasts for you the last two weeks, is follow along on social media. Tapping the keg on X slash Twitter. Tapping the keg sports on Instagram as well as TikTok, Facebook too, under that same handle. If you're already taking care of that, uh, make sure you're subscribed on Apple. Make sure that you're subscribed on Spotify if that's more your thing. Uh, sorry that the podcast from yesterday did not make it to Spotify. Hopefully it gets there. Um, I had some, basically I re-uploaded, I screwed up and I, it never came back. I don't know why. It's on Apple, it's on the RSS feed. There, I don't know if they, that, that's happened before with me with Spotify. Um, I guess we're just gonna have to let it ride. Maybe it'll show up someday. Um, but if you are a Spotify listener, I would just recommend finding another platform. I did link out uh, one yesterday. Um, so if you do need it, send me a DM. I'll be happy to uh, provide that link to you uh, if you missed it. Uh, so, and make sure, yeah, you're subscribed. Uh, drop this in the group chat. Um, you know, I know a lot of people will be talking about carbon burns today, um, but I don't think he's gonna be A block for a lot of people. I think they're, they're still gonna lead uh, with Brian Gunacust and the comments that he made, but maybe not. We'll we'll certainly have to see. Um, but this is what we bring to you, man. Um, I do it four days a week, but when there's breaking news and we got stuff to talk about, we're we're back in the mix. And if you know Willie Thomas gets traded over the weekend, we'll try to be back. Um, if something else goes down, uh, the Brewers make a big trade in another direction. We'll be there. So like, I, I will always be there for you guys. Or the Bucks make a trade, right? Or <laughs> might as well, right? Like, let's get fucking nuts. I will certainly have to see. All right, let's talk about the Corbin Burns trade. The Milwaukee Brewers traded Corbin Burns. Uh, they traded him to the Baltimore Orioles for DL Hall and Joey Ortiz. It was a move that I, I don't think a lot of us expected at this point of the year. I think at the start of the offseason, right, when we were talking about the Brewers kind of exit interviewing, we all kind of thought, yeah, Burns Burns could be on the move. Uh, that's extremely realistic. He has one year left on his contract. He'll probably go through arbitration. Now the Brewers were able to remedy that and everything else. But once they did that and they didn't go through arbitration, it felt like, all right, they're going to keep Burns. And then they added Reese Hoskins and it was like, all right, it's all systems go. We're running it back. We're not only going to add somebody we're going to try to you know win this division and it seemed like they they were like we're we'll we'll deal with losing corbin burns to free agency and we'll go one last ride with it and he will carry the brewers yet again instead the milwaukee brewers have sent mixed signals uh they're like somebody you're just starting to date and that one moment you're like oh they really like me oh man they're into me maybe this is my boyfriend maybe this is my girlfriend um and then at the other point it's like wow they fucking hate me uh, they do. They want nothing to do with me. Uh, I I misread this completely. I think people don't know if the Brewers are rebuilding. People don't know if the Brewers are going to run it back to a division. 
Armin Sayan, I thought, had a great comment about, you know, everything's in the gray area now with baseball and you can do things at the margins. I know fans do not want to hear that, but that is the world we live in as a small market baseball team, right? And I've told you guys this, it's a haves versus haves not system. And I think the Brewers landed on that they had to trade Corbin Burns if they wanted, you know, if they wanted assets back. And they knew that they had to do it before the season started to not have another hater incident. Now, could they have kept Corbin Burns and got absolutely nothing, let him go sign with a major market? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they could have, that, that was certainly on the table. And he still could next year, right? Uh, the Orioles have not said yet if they're going to make a long-term commitment to Corbin Burns or if this is going to be a one-year rental and the Orioles are going to really go for it and try to win a championship and kind of emulate maybe what the Diamondbacks did, but at a, another level. You know, they did not have the pitching when it came to the postseason, which is ironic that they got Burns, who has not necessarily been great in the postseason, but they needed that ace. They never had that reliable guy. They were relying on the younger pitchers, and while Kyle Bradish came on strong, Grayson Rodriguez had moments. Um, they they just never seemed to kind of like get to that, get kind of past that. And so that's why they needed Burns. And that's why they almost showed some desperation and gave up, you know, two of their top 10 prospects, a, basically the best farm system in baseball. And now the Milwaukee Brewers look at this and say, all right, we made the move because that was the team that, probably they looked at as the target. And they said, who would we trade Corbin Burns to? They didn't want to give Corbin Burns inside the division. I guarantee, not inside the division, inside you know the NL. Uh, some people were like, oh, would they trade Burns to Chicago Cubs? Absolutely fucking not. Um, no chance, no how. But I also think they didn't want to give Corbin Burns to the Dodgers. And they want to add to that super team. And they didn't want to give him to David Stearns and the New York Mets if the Mets were sniffing around. They wanted to get Corbin Burns out in the American League and what better team than the team with the best farm system. And so the deal was made. I always thought when I talked about this, and remember, I've mentioned the Orioles and Burns, God, I don't remember when I started that conversation, but it's something that's been brought up on this podcast. So if you're a real one and you're listening all the time, you know that this was something you're, I hope you were like, oh yeah, Charlie, Charlie mentioned this. Like Charlie, Charlie floated this idea a while ago. Now, I didn't think that it would be DL Hall and Joey Ortiz. I thought it might be Mountcastle, pre-Grease Hoskins. And like, I, I felt like that was like one of their hitting studs would come over. Uh, my guy, uh, T, T, T Nemo, I think that's him uh, on Twitter. He's great follow or a great like interaction with me on on the X platform from time to time said like pipe dream of Jackson holiday. Yeah, I knew we were going to get Jackson holiday. Like that definitely is not happening, but I thought maybe one of the bigger power hitters. Now they get a contact guy and we'll talk about Ortiz here in a second, but that's the deal that is made and they get a draft slot in the mix as well uh, for the 2024 uh, major league baseball draft, which is in summer, which is kind of weird. And now you can kind of trade draft picks in baseball and the Brewers also get an extra 2.5 million in slot money, which will really help the Brewers um, in terms of making a swing at a potential high school prospect or one of the top tier prospects in baseball, you know, and that to me is is huge, especially because the Brewers have been drafting so well recently and have rebuilt this farm system to being one of the best in baseball. 
The other thing I wonder about with Corbin Burns in general is were they worried that even if the Brewers stunk this year, like if the Brewers were bad and they were a team that was selling assets, you know, in July, what if Corbin Burns would have regressed? And I think that that was a worry. And I also think that his value decreased because Corbin Burns himself decreased. Last year, Corbin Burns' K-9 was 9.29. In his Cy Young year, it was 12.6. So this is down um, three points, and that's strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine innings have went up to 3.007, which it was 1.83 in 2021. His ERA was 3.39 last year, and his ERA two years ago was 2.43, so nearly a whole run. And his FIP fielding independence was a 3.81. When that FIP gets higher, that's usually a guy who's kind of av- FIP at 3.81, you're almost kind of average. So it's really interesting to see Corbin Burns kind of all of a sudden, it, 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 there's a little bit of regression. I still think Corbin Burns is pretty damn good, but I think that's why people were were scared maybe a little bit of getting into the Corbin Burns business. I I think that's why you don't necessarily see Corbin Burns as this like, okay, it, it's this premier guy. I think he's being oversold a little bit in the national media and it's funny how it fucking works when a guy in the small market leaves and then all of a sudden he's God. I, we saw this with Devontae Adams too, weirdly. I, even though the Packers are so public, all of a sudden Devontae Adams is getting endorsement deals. People are talking about Devontae Adams as one of the best receivers in football. It's like, where the fuck was this when he was a Packer? Like, why, why didn't we talk about him like this when he was a Packer? And so I think there is a little bit of an oversell there. I saw Steven Nesbitt of The Athletic was like, oh, he was like, right there with Garrett Cole. And yeah, like him versus Cole is gonna be awesome if they get that a couple times a year, Baltimore and New York. And they had a great duel uh, last year. But I I don't, I I think they're kind of the same guy in a weird way. Like, I don't think Garrett Cole's a deity and I don't think Burns is a deity because they have some real playoff struggles. And Corbin Burns is is a complicated fellow to me. In that regard, and I think that you know he he's had some issues in the postseason, and you can't can't ignore that. And I know we want to blame that the Brewers didn't have enough resources, that the Brewers didn't have enough talent to get to the World Series or to win a World Series, but it comes down to it. Corbin Burns puked on his shoes in airs against Arizona at home in front of a sold out American Family Field crowd last year. Uh, the two years ago when he got outdueled by Max Fried in a Cy Young year, that there's nothing he could do, right? Uh, the, they just got one more run against the Brewers than, than the, the Braves, that is. Um, and it was a 2-1 loss. But when Burns was facing off against the Diamondbacks, he was absolutely putrid. He, he pitched terrible. And he's supposed to be your ace. And I kind of can't get that out of my head. I also kind of can't get out of my head that Corbin Burns sat kind of sabotaged half the season last year and was terrible until the Brewers convinced him that he wasn't getting traded uh, middle of the year and had this big coming to Jesus with Matt Arnold and Brewer management and all of a sudden Corbin Burns started pitching well. Um, I, I think that the friction is was definitely there between the two. I don't think that Corbin Burns would have napalmed the season, 
But I think had the Brewers started losing, I don't think he would have been a happy guy in that locker room. And I, I think that it would have created maybe a little bit of a dissension. And so the Brewers, you know, decided to cash their chips in early. And I, I think that is the smart move. Um, and also, too, like, I, who knows? Maybe Pat Murphy and Corbin Burns have not necessarily seen eye to eye on things. And maybe Burns wasn't exactly stoked that Murphy was getting the job, even though it seems like everybody's stoked Pat Murphy's getting a job. You don't know, right? Like, that could also have of played into into it for me. So I, I think overall, it was the right move to trade Corbin Burns. I think the package is a little bit better than originally thought of. I think when it, it always happens with these trades, especially in baseball, where you see the package and you're like, ah, oh, that's it. That's all you got. Like, and I, I said that in the review, like that's, that's what she said, right? It's like, when you whip it out, it's not, not what they expect. And it's like, ah, oh, that's all I got. Like, uh, it, it's one of those things where I, I think that the more people kind of dug into it, it's like, okay, yeah, we can work with this. And that there, there is some potential here. And you got guys that are ready to go in the big leagues now with DL Hall and Joey Ortiz. And the Brewers, to me, are operating like an elevated version of the Tampa Bay Rays. They're spending a little more money than Tampa, and I realize their payroll is down right now, but I'll, I'll want to get to that a little bit later. Um, I, I think that that's how I perceive the Brewers, that they want to be involved and into the conversation every year. The NL Central is wide fucking open, okay? Like, the, the Cardinals have basically a geriatric starting rotation, uh, the Chicago Cubs have continued to sit on their hands and do absolutely nothing and just kind of hope maybe free agents want to come there. Um, the Pittsburgh Pirates have done a little bit of things here and there, but they're the Pirates. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds should have sort of a bounce, kind of they were a year early last year, so this should be a year where the Reds take off. But I, I still think there are a lot of questions about that baseball team. And if you dig into what Ellie De La Cruz's numbers were, they weren't exactly that great. Like he's, a, he's an electric ball player, but he didn't exactly light it up in terms of the box score. So uh, it's still wide fucking open. And even losing Burns and the rotation gets kind of scary at this point, the Brewers are, are going to have a shot at this division. As for the guys they brought in, uh, Deal Hall, uh, he is a left-handed pitcher. He has absolutely electric stuff. Uh, he's going to be a starter at least to begin for this team. Uh, and he will be part of that starting rotation. And the Brewers are going to give him every opportunity to start. And that, which I think is a, a great move. Uh, Nolan Bratt had this uh, Brewers Farm on Twitter. He's great. Um, DL, DL Hall's career K percentage in 33 big league, big league innings, 29%. Qualified starting pitchers with a K percentage of above 29%. Spencer Strider, Kevin Gaussman, Blake Snell, Freddie Peralta, Pablo Lopez, Kodai Sengai. Uh, that, that's a pretty good list. I, I think we'll take that. Um, and I think we'll, I think we will all fucking take that. Now, will he be Spencer Schrader? Probably not. But if he's like 75% of Spencer Schrader, I think we will. And I think the Brewers always should be trusted when it comes to pitching. I would be scared to trade the Brewers pitching because they've obviously identified something with Hall 
that they think they can fix. He's had a little bit of command issues here and there. He kind of started to fix it and kind of was coming around on that. I think, you know, the Brewers frame really well. I think that helps a lot of these pitchers. I think it helps with the command. Chris Hook is still there um, and will work with him. And Chris Hook does really a really good job. I think there there's not enough that's been talked about with Chris Hook. You know, we everyone freaked out when Derek Johnson left a few years ago now. Um, but Chris Hook has done a great job. And I think that'll only that'll only continue. And Hall's gonna get a real shot. And I think the pitching rotation now is Freddie Peralta, it's Wade Miley, it's Colin Ray, which Colin Ray third starter, but only because I have the young guys at the bottom, DL Hall and Aaron Ashby. Um, and then there's potential of Joe Ross. There's potential of Jacob Mizorowski. There's potential of jo- of uh, Robert Gasser. Um, I, I will say Mizorowski and Hall are the only two guys in Baseball America's Top 100 that have a fastball rated at 80. And that and that, that's it. Those are the two guys. I, so I look at this, like if you kind of step back and you, and you look at 2025 or 2026, the Brewers kind of see the future here. The future is Mizorowski, it's Gasser, it's Ashby, it's Peralta, it's potentially Carlos F. Rodriguez. Like, they have, you know, the young pitching that's going to come. They are just kind of in this transition. So I do think that Hall is going to be a starter. I think if he can't cut it as a starter, I think they will find a way to make him a really valuable reliever, almost weirdly. Use him like Corbin Burns back in 2018, where he's like two or three innings, and he's a guy that just comes in and throws gas doesn't necessarily overwork his arm, but does, you know, he provides sort of that piggyback support uh, for guys. And so, yeah, I I really like, you know, in terms of what they have there. And if he becomes, as uh, Nolan pointed out, like if he becomes a quality starter, they won the trade. And that's absolutely true because you have for six years. So then you have this, you know, frontline pitcher that you got for a guy that you were going to lose anyways. And that's, that, and, and I know fans don't want to be patient. They don't want to hear that. But that's kind of, I think, the hope that the Brewers have with him. As for Joey Ortiz, he hit the ball really well in AAA. His contact numbers were great. Um, another contact bat uh, in the order is something the Brewers desperately needed. Um, it's He's a high-level prospect that was blocked. And the, Brewer, and the Brewers were able to swing a deal. Now the Cubs did the same thing for Michael Bush, a guy that I mentioned for the Brewers, honestly, but Bush is a little older. So Ortiz, younger guy, is going to get a shot. Um, he can play shortstop. He can play second base. He's a pretty good defender as well, which team defense has been a priority uh, for this Brewers team. Uh, it really puts... Bryce Trang on a hot seat, right? Um, and see what is what happens with Trang. Does it somehow push out Andrew Monasterio, uh, who's right now slated as the third baseman? Um, or do they play together with Willie Adamas potentially on the outs? Now, I will say Ortiz Trang, I think defensively, could be really fucking special. I just worry, is it enough offense? You're relying on Ortiz to that contact numbers that you saw in AAA to come through in the big leagues, right? He's a guy that's going to hit low in the order. 
Um, and will will he be able to pick it up? And we all hoped that with Trang and it didn't happen. And I wonder, are they out on Trang? Will they put Trang in a deal of some sort? Um, you know, is he the guy that ends up being the odd man out of all the young guns? Um, and a team can kind of sell themselves on Bryce's defense and then they can kind of figure out maybe what's going on in terms of why he can't necessarily hit in the big leagues. And he's been able to do it in AAA and, and so on. So I don't know. Um, I think that that is a, a big outstanding question. And kind of talking about Adamus and kind of where what's happening and, and what's next, um, I think the Brewers aren't even close to being done. I, I know that pitchers and catchers report in a few weeks. Um, they now have $15 million to potentially spend. Uh, it, it, Matt Arnold was asked about that by Kurt Hogg. And Matt Arnold said, well, we, we already invested in this team. You know, we gave Reese Hoskins money. We gave Jackson Trio money. And I think that's right. I think I, that makes sense. But I, I think that, and I also think Arnold wants to keep his cards to the vest. Like he's not wanting to give away his secrets. This came out of nowhere. Reese Hoskins came out of nowhere. Uh, they, they, I guess it didn't out of nowhere, but the Brewers, the Brewers were at least sniffing around. There was nothing on Corbin Burns. No one knew that Corbin Burns was going to get traded to the Orioles or get traded in the first place, right? It was completely done in silence. I think one of the things I love about both Matt Arnold and John Horst, for that matter, is they just move in absolute silence. And I would not be surprised if they use that $15 million to do something else. And if they're able to clear Adamas, that would make $27 million. Now you're Now we're really talking. Now we're really in some business here. And I think Adamus, a team would take a chance on, right? I think they, a team could sell themselves on Willie Adamus. He is a clubhouse, I wouldn't even say a leader. He's like, the, he's just the clubhouse. Class clown sounds so disrespectful. That's not the word I'm looking for, but comic relief. There we go. I was, I was getting there. I was almost there. But he's the clubhouse comic relief, right? Um, and, and you always need that guy. And he has struggled, but I do think that you look at what he did when he first joined the Brewers. It's like, well, what if he does that when he first joins Team X? A lot of people have pegged him to the Dodgers. So could the Brewers look at that and say, all right, we could maybe get another young starting pitcher. You'd not get in one of the Dodgers starting pitchers. Don't get me wrong. Like that would be a complete fleece if we got Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan for uh, Willie Adamas. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Um, I, would I take them one for one? Yeah, fuck, absolutely fuck, fucking yes. No, no question about it. But my point is, is like you could get, uh, you could help fill a need. You could get more MLB ready guys. And then you have then 27 million to fill out your roster. And could that be a starting pitcher? There's not a ton left. It's Jordan Montgomery. Could they go after Jordan Montgomery? Now, Jordan Montgomery probably would feel a little pressure replacing Corbin Burns. But if you added Jordan Montgomery to the to that rotation, and it's Montgomery and Freddie Peralta and Miley and Hall and Ashby, that's that's not bad. That's that's not terrible. And so is that the move? Um, would they take a swing at Dylan Cease? They have a huge farm system. Apparently, they're asking for the stars and the moon, they being the White Sox. Would they try to engage with the White Sox on Dylan Cease and bring in basically another ace? That'd be absolutely fucking wild and almost weirdly disrespectful to Corbin Birds. 
But I, I, I highly doubt that would happen. Um, Cease, though, has how much control left here? He has two year, two RB years left. So he's a free agent in 2020, 2026. So you'd basically get two years of Dylan Cease uh, before moving on. And that's why the, vet, the prospect or what they ask the White Sox want is so high. Um, but I, I think that would be almost more stunning than the Burns move happening. The other thing is the Matt Chapman business. We talked about it on yesterday's show. Mitch and I are are like the head of Matt Chapman Island. Like we are, we are there. Um, people can add snacks. They can, you know, we're building houses. Um, we're there. Um, and I know that he's been looked at by the Cubs or Giants, where the rumors. Well, why not the Brewers come over the top and say, yeah, we want to we want to spend for Matt Chapman. The Brewers are getting to more of an offensive minded focused approach than the pitch than what they did pitching wise. And I, I think that's actually a really good thing. And I know that's weird for people, right? Because the Brewers were so offense or so pitching dominant. But if you look at it, what wins what wins playoff games now? Home runs. Home runs have been winning playoff games for the last five to seven years and maybe even longer. They need to hit home runs. They weren't hitting home runs. They were, I think, one of the fewest that had hit home. They're the fewest amount of home runs that were hit in the in the October or with the teams that were in October. Uh, so maybe they do add more offense, and they are just becoming more offensive focused, and they want to outslug teams. And they think with the bullpen that they have, as long as the young pitchers plus some of the veterans can get us to five innings, maybe we can maybe we can be successful. So I, I would not be surprised if they're they're in the Matt Chapman business. Um, that would be awesome. That'd be very exciting uh, if that was the route they went. Um, but I, I will say if they don't do anything, they're gonna hear it from their fan they're the fans. The fans are already saying with that comment, they're like, oh, here we go again, cheap mark, cheap mark. Even though if you read, I think it was Will Salmon in The Athletic, they beefed up the offer to Reese Hoskins. So it's like, okay, we're gonna ignore that. But we're gonna we're gonna also just be like, oh, same old cheap mark. Oh, Mark can't find can't find money for this, but he can find money for the PGA. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I fucking hate it. It's so dumb. We have just people who just do not understand how baseball works. It it's it's incredible to me. It's incredible to me that people don't understand investments, that people don't understand, you know, how this all works. It's it's super, it's super, super frustrating. Um, but maybe they do and they rub it in their face. Um, that that would be the hope. But I think it's fair to say, and it, it's been this way for a while, but as more guys leave, like it's the Sandlot, it's a new era of brewer baseball. It's an absolute new era of brewer baseball. And more guys are leaving. And there's still some remnants of the older teams, whether it's Yelich, a little bit of Devin Williams, right? Those guys are those guys are still there. Those guys are still hanging around. But this is now the new era of, of Brewers baseball. And change is tough. Change is never easy. Uh, but it's we're basically running what the Packers were this season, where it's a bunch of young guys. We're gonna deal with a lot of trials and tribulations. There's probably gonna be losing streaks, but there's also probably gonna be winning streaks. And at some point they're gonna grow up. And at some point it's gonna happen. And maybe it won't happen till fucking 
late August and we're so mad because we're like, finally, they look like a fucking baseball team and it's too late, right? They are going to win 75 to 80 games instead of being in the postseason. But at least the signs will be there that next year will be the, will be the jump. But who knows? Maybe, maybe the timeline speeds up. We saw it with the Cincinnati Reds for a majority of the season. Now they fell apart late, but you get my point. It, it can't happen. We saw it with the Diamondbacks this year, right? Who knows? It, there, there's a lot of this story still left to be written about what this Brewers team looks like. But we know for a fact a new era has begun. All right, let's move on to the Brian Gunacus comments. I just want to spend a little time on this. Um, I don't know how long, but there I felt like there were so many interesting comments from Goody. Uh, I felt like he really was loose in the presser. Um, felt like a guy who didn't have to worry about what he would say that would piss off Aaron Rodgers, and he would then enunciate his frustration on Pat McAfee the following Tuesday. Um, and that was really great. That was really fun to see um, because I felt like he was very transparent about all the different things that they were going to do, that they were not going to do. And I, I don't necessarily have him in a ranking. I just want to run through them and kind of react to to all of it. I think number one, just the, the basically campaigning for Aaron Jones to be back and saying we absolutely want him back. Um, I think is not a surprise. I would have had that bet as like minus 1,000 because Aaron Jones proved to me that he was the heart and soul of this football team. That the comments made by Jaden Reed and how much love and respect that this entire team has for him. I've called him, you know, this generation's Leroy Butler or Donald Driver. He's at that level of Packer lore. And I think that they are going to, again, try what they can for him. I think they're going to get try to maybe get a better 1B option. I, I had a buddy, shout out Pat, sold me on Derrick Henry. I've been on the Derrick Henry thing. I haven't talked about it, I think, on the podcast. But I just was like, ah, would he really want to be a Robin? But as Pat pointed out, you know, he, he would definitely be a 1B. And I think you could sell him on being 1B just given the fact that Jones can't carry the ball you know, 20 times. and But also you can sell Henry that he doesn't have to be the bell cow. They just has to, you know, be around the goal line and, you know, every now and again, get the short yardage and, you know, kind of be that guy for, for the Packers. I would love it. I just don't know if it's going to happen. I, you know, the Giants, right? You could go play in New York if they decide to part ways with Saquon. Um, we'll, we'll certainly see. But Aaron Jones seems like he's going to be back. That's great. Um, what was so funny, it kind of reminded me of the meme, uh, the Gordon Ramsay meme, uh, where like he's like, you know, I, it's always hard to kind of do a live meme here, but it's when he's like, oh, poor thing. And then he calls the other person a fucking donkey. Like that was kind of Brian Gunacus with Aaron Jones and David Bakhtiari. He did not give any clear answer on David Bakhtiari. Um, and I think that everyone kind of assumes that the writing is on the wall there. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I think that Dave and Brian will probably have a conversation. I think they're going to talk about, hey, what do you want? I think there, I think there will be a real question. Do you want to join Aaron in New York? And I, I will say that if Bakhtiari goes to New York, I am going to rain hell on him 
because he would be the biggest hypocrite of all fucking time if he agreed to play eight games at MetLife Field with how bad their turf is and how, and that would just be an embarrassment to him. Um, and it would just show kind of his true colors. And I try not to get pretty mad about it, but my God. Um, I, but I, I do think like they're going to have a conversation and they're going to be like, hey, we have this great culture. We have really built it. We have this family. You are in and out because rehab, which is totally fine. Do you want to be a part of this? These aren't your guys, really. This is a new era. Are you going to be comfortable? Are you going to fit into that? Or do you want us to look for a trade for you? And I do think teams would trade for David Bakhtiari. Are you going to get the value that you would have last year or two years ago? No. He is a depreciated asset without question. But I do think you could get draft capital for David Bakhtiari, whether it be a third rounder, fourth round. I don't, fourth round's a little light, but I, I think you could get a third rounder for Bakhtiari for sure. And, I, and maybe that's the move, right? And maybe maybe that's what it is. Uh, because Sheed Walker, I felt like, had proven himself at left, left tackle. Uh, I felt like it was, though, convenient uh, when asked about him that Gunukus mentioned that he played both left and right tackle. Now, no one's replacing Zach Tom. Zach Tom was fantastic. One of the best players on the Packers roster this season. But it was almost like he was opening the door that Rasheed Walker could basically replace Josh Nyman and you bring back David Bakhtiari. I wouldn't say the book is closed on David Bakhtiari. Um, I just think it's a very complicated thing. It's like a Facebook status, right? We talked about mixed signals earlier. Uh, right now it's complicated. Remember people would just out themselves on Facebook where it'd be like, oh, I am in a relationship. Or like, it was almost like a LinkedIn message at this point where it's like, oh, I got this person got a new job. It's like, oh, they're in a relationship. Or it'd be like, they're married. Or it would be like, they're single. And it, it's like, hey guys, look at me. I'm Facebook, early Facebook was a wild fucking time. Uh, you just let everything hang uh, back then. But anyways, uh, that's how I feel about Bakhtiari. Not the case with Jair Alexander. Uh, was pretty emphatic uh, that Jair Alexander will not get traded. Uh, granted, it's a money thing um, as well, but yeah, I think Jeff Half Hathley. Uh, I I gotta. There's something in me that wants to call him Jeff Hatley, uh, but it's Hathley. I'm sure has plans for Jair Alexander. Um, I'll be very interested to see what he does with Jair. Um, I think that's one of the probably biggest things that in terms of like things to watch next season is how does Halfley work in Jair? Um, I would imagine that he gave some thoughts to LaFleur when interviewing about why, you know, how he would optimize and use those guys. Um, so yeah, Jair, not, I don't think I'm really sort of surprised by that. Uh, some of the things that were surprising to me in terms of the, with the Gunakus commentary uh, that he had were, uh, the thing about that they might look for potentially at free agents and that they're going to say that the door is open. That feels like he can do whatever he wants with free agents this offseason. I don't think we'll shy away from adding impact players. Really interesting. Um, I don't know, you know, in terms of what the Packers have money-wise. Um, this goes back to people who believe the seller cap is fake. I, I for a while was like seller caps fake. Then I was like, ah, maybe it's not fake. Now I'm kind of like in this in between. Like I think it just can be maneuvered and manipulated in a way where basically it becomes fake. How, how about that for you? How do you like that, Apples? Like there are hard and fast numbers. There are guys where you absolutely can't trade, like Jay Alexander. 
but other things can be manipulated and moved around so that you can basically make free agent signings. So it's very interesting that the Packers are potentially exploring free agents and will you know look at guys. I think that that doesn't help the fan base, right? They hear that and they're like, oh, we can get Antoine Winfield. It's like everyone, all the Packer bloggers have been uh, – like they don't have the money for Antoine Winfield. And I actually agree. I would be shocked. I mean, yes, impact players can mean different things. Like Geno Stone from the Baltimore Ravens now probably will end up going to like the Seahawks or, you know, where the rate, you know, where Mike McDonald is, or maybe he stays with Baltimore. But that would be another guy at the safety position that wouldn't cost as much money as what you might play Winfield. But that's very interesting from Gutekunst that he says, all right, yeah, maybe we'll add some young veterans who, you know, will fit in with the chemistry. I think it's really important, you know, that the Packers, it's kind of a 180 from last season where I was like, get veterans in there. They need that veteran leadership. I was way wrong about that. Like I have to take that out um, because I didn't see the vision. I didn't work with Brian Gunacus's vision. That was basically a college team on steroids, which I say too much according to Mitch. And basically because they're all growing up together, they're all basically becoming family. And I, I just did not see that. Um, but now I think you can add guys. I think you can add guys that are still, you know, in the mix that are a part of it and that really, you know, work well. Um, and Gunakus says, you know, hey, I'm not necessarily shy. And I, I don't think that it, it's going to be there. He said, whatever opportunities are out there to improve our team, will be able to do that. He feels very confident. That that's kind that is surprising. I, I think that is something to to keep in mind and something to think about, you know, for the Packers. They also said that they potentially might look at trading draft picks for veteran players. I thought that was really interesting. That's something the Packers have really never talked about. That's a future podcast segment uh, for another time. But I it's an interesting discussion because I think it's twofold. One Packers have a ton of young talent that's ready to play right away. So it's like, how much better, how much more depth do you need? Like there are certain positions where they definitely need some depth, depth pieces, like a, the secondary, like the linebacker position. I, If you're going to move on from Kenny Clark, you're going to need someone in the interior, um, but or the running back position later in the draft. But this isn't a deep draft. I think that's one of the sneaky secrets about it. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance with this draft because of all the quarterbacks. But this draft falls off a fucking cliff. And part of the reason why is because kids aren't coming out. Kids are staying in college. um, And you don't have sort of the fifth to seventh round like you used to. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, are there just fire sales with those low round picks? Because there aren't necessarily the gems that are there typically. I think the scout teams are gonna have to work even harder. They're gonna have to find those gems early on and some of those undrafted guys are gonna have to become draft picks. So it's just a fascinating sort of transitional period, I think in the NFL um, and definitely something to keep in mind. And and that makes you wonder though, do the Packers think it's not a deep draft in general? Again. We know about the quarterbacks. We know about some the wide receivers, but is it not that deep in general where they're like, we'd be better off drafting a veteran, which is very unpackers like to do, but I would trust them to know the draft given the fact they've killed it the last two drafts. So what's what to expect? We'll have to see. Um, I think that, that is a, that's something to keep in the back of your mind. 
um, as we go through this whole process. Uh, but I, I definitely think that the Packers can do some work, especially even in the sort of the with the picks they have to move up and make some make some real noise and get the guys that they absolutely want that think are going to bring Green Bay another Super Bowl. All right, that does it for today's extra show. Uh, thank you for rocking with me. Uh, it did hit 40 minutes, so uh, we. I think it'll when I added, it'll probably get down to 39 or whatever. Uh, I I should have mentioned this at the open, but we'll mention here at the end. I am doing another uh, live cast for Marquette. It'll be on Saturday afternoon. Uh, we'll be doing the Georgetown game. The game's at one o'clock, so I'll be in there at 12:45. Come kick it with me. I don't know if I can drink. Um, I've kind of been back and forth if I should even ask. I don't want to get judged. Um, it's also a touch early. Like if we're just thinking about starting, like that's it is early. Do I do I go with the like diet Pepsi with like a little bit of bourbon in there, and that's kind of how I how I have it, and I just have a sipper there? Um, that, that might be that might be the move. We'll we'll certainly see. Uh, stay tuned, um, and definitely look forward to uh, you guys spending time there. Appreciate all the support. I said that on Wednesday, but I, I do it does mean a lot. So. We'll be there on Saturday. Um, on Monday, we will recap the two Bucks games, uh, Mavs and Jazz. We'll also, we didn't talk about the Bucks losing to the Blazers, by the way. Um, I, I just, I was so disgusted. My dog has been just an absolute terror. Um, and so I didn't, if I had the ability to get down here and tape five, 10 minutes without her freaking the fuck out that I'm down here, I would have done it. Uh, but it was, I mean, just think, you know, it's what we said all year. Gotta have the energy and effort really from the start. And they, they only had it for six minutes yesterday. Um, and so, yeah, we'll talk Bucks, Bucks Jazz or Bucks Jazz, Bucks Mavericks. Uh, we'll also discuss uh, Marquette's game against Georgetown. I might even touch a little bit on Badgers Purdue. I think, I feel like it's such a big game that maybe we talk about it. Um, I certainly have eyes on it. Um, and then, uh, we'll see what else. Um, I might have a special segment uh, at the tail end of the, of Monday's show, um, and we'll uh, we'll stay tuned for that. All right, take care, guys. You have a great weekend. Stay safe. Uh, hopefully, the groundhog was it. If he sees his shadow, it's more wind, or he doesn't see his shadow. It's it's an early spring. I feel like it's already an early spring. Weather's been great. Uh, well, ha have a happy Groundhog's Day. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Peace.